everyone, and welcome back to the latest episode of Gabfestology. I'm Ben. I'm Perrett. I'm Ethan. And I'm Jet. And today's topic of discussion is reopening uh, regarding schools. So let's get right into it. So before we start, how is everyone doing? Pretty good, honestly. I'm at the beach right now. Um, That's oh, fun. Nice. The weather's not great, though. You probably. Yeah, it's kind of happy today. Today's pretty lousy. Yeah, this is the first time all summer that I felt, you know, some coldness starting to creep in. It's like summer's almost over. You know, I, I was looking at the date yesterday. It was like August fifteenth, and I had this mini panic attack. Like, oh shoot! Like, we're almost yeah, done. <laughs> fall oh, is nice. coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, school's right around the corner. Yeah. When you haven't started summer homework. <laughs> really <laughs> dull. Yeah. Also, the sun is just setting so much earlier. I know. Like, I'm used to it getting dark at like 8.30, but it's starting to get closer to 6 again. Yeah, things are moving quickly. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so on the topic of going back to schools, <laughs> obviously, this school year is going to be a lot different from previous ones agreed um, mm-hmm. our district has to made has made a lot of measures taken a lot of measures to alter the school day and put in necessary safety precautions in order to allow for in-school learning in a safe environment so ben you want to talk about the elementary schools and what they're the, what they have in place yeah so before i raise any questions and concerns about it. I guess I'll just give you guys a quick summary of what exactly the plan is in elementary schools. So it's going to be basically the kids stay in the same classroom all day and teachers for classes like um, gym, art, and music will rotate through the classrooms to keep them from moving. Apparently the library will have an ordering system, like a menu where you can request a book that will be delivered to your to your classroom and for gym and art they're going to try using individual equipment as much as they can classes will have assigned bathrooms you're going to be eating meals in the class or in socially distanced areas that weren't necessarily specified in the plan and there aren't going to be any early drop-offs like you're going to get into your line before entering the school on the dot of whatever time it is i believe it's about 8 30 or so And they're going to be A and B groups, which split up each grade. And obviously, similarly to what we're going to hear about for middle and high schools, they're alternating their weeks. And on the weeks that the A group are in school, the B group will have 30-minute meetings with a teacher, like at 2.30 or at 3. And the B group is going to be split into two to facilitate those two time slots. Well, hopefully that makes sense. It's a lot of information to handle and it's going to be, it's it's very different from the, yeah, it's very different from what high school, middle school will be explained as. Big change from what it was previously. COVID has uh, done some, some damage in that category. Yeah. So my first concern is how do you deal with the music program? Because school concerts aren't going to be held, obviously, because of the dangers from COVID. But at the same time, you need to give kids the experience, especially in elementary school as new musicians, 
so that the entire high school and middle school programs aren't affected. Like as much as I want kids to be safe as a musician, I don't want to leave. Like, I don't want to have everyone coming into middle and high school not knowing a sliver of musical knowledge or performance. How do you guys feel about stuff like that? Exactly. I think it's super important that kids have a music education starting young. I was not a member of the band or anything. I was a guitar student, so I took it mostly yeah, out of you class. in high school. Exactly. And I think that same philosophy can be sort of applied to uh, middle school and specifically elementary school students, as we're talking about here, as they can learn now virtually. So maybe their teacher, instead of doing it in school, where it could be potentially harmful and um, inhibit the or allow for the spread of COVID, they can do it online and their teacher can give them tips and advice uh, virtually and they can practice their instrument more at home than in the class. Yeah, I understand that. And I'm currently actually tutoring an elementary school student within West Hartford Public Schools at trumpet, which is my primary instrument. And it's difficult to do it online. I mean, like usually I would be teaching a kid maybe to use proper breathing techniques by coming over to him and holding a piece of paper in front of him to show him how airflow works. But I can't do that right now. And that's a major difficulty. And especially for rising fourth graders who have had no experience whatsoever, I think that teaching them an instrument, especially the technicalities of it, is going to be a major challenge. Now, just walk me through one thing, because I didn't grow up in, in the West Hartford School District. I didn't go through the elementary schools. So what is like a normal music lesson at an elementary school level? Okay, well, I can speak from the perspective of a band student, and after I talk about this, you can, Ethan, you can jump in and tell the perspective of an orchestra student if it's a bit different, or choir, I don't know if you did that. But for elementary school band, it would basically be, if I remember correctly, you would take 30 minutes out of your schedule randomly to go and do a lesson. I think it was about twice a week. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then before or after school, you would have like a rehearsal with the entire band or that's how I recall it. It was a long time ago. And this is like starting fourth grade, you said? Yeah, you, yeah. you know, you can start an, an instrument earlier on privately, mm -hmm. but school music starts in fourth grade and fifth grade. Got it. So, oh, yeah. So that's kind of similar to how I grew up with it. Yeah. And what do you remember about the orchestra experience, Ethan? It's mostly the as same. As an elementary schooler? You'd have, like, yeah, you'd get, like, randomly pulled, and you and, like, the rest of the people that are doing your instrument would, like, go off with the uh, orchestra uh, conductor, and then you would work on, like, a particular exercise, and then you would take what you learned in the lesson and practice, and you have to fill out this log. I remember correctly. Oh my gosh, I hated that log. <laughs> music logs, yeah. And then, yeah, there'd be like a rehearsal before the concert, and then you'd all play together. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, clearly, in-person rehearsals with the full band are not going to be possible. Um, do you have any insight into, like, how, or if they're still going to conduct these lessons somehow in person or, or virtually? 
I think the lessons aren't as much the issue because usually they're split up into four or five people breakout groups. So I definitely think that you can do the lessons, but I think it depends on what kind of instrument you play. Because for a trumpet or another wind instrument, brass and or woodwind, you have to take a face mask off to play your instrument because your mouth is directly contacting it. Yeah. But on the other hand, playing in a string orchestra, you can more easily do it. But obviously, teachers won't be able to go up and show fingerings to students. It's going to have to be diagrams. And I just find that difficult as someone who learned and is currently teaching musicians or learning and teaching music. It's, it's, I mean, the hands-on aspect of music at that level really is what establishes you as a musician. Yeah, I mean, especially for students who have not had any prior experience with these instruments, I mean, I can imagine how difficult it is to, like, teach a trumpet player, you know, the proper, like, mouth position and embouchure and stuff like that to produce Mm -hmm. the sounds. Like, it's, it's something you have to really work with them in person to do yeah so i think music teachers will be able to eventually adapt to teaching young children because obviously like if you if i were to go to one of my fellow trumpet players and say hey just remember to do xyz exercise i can do that since they know what's happening but teachers will have to figure out how to teach and experience musicians and the means in which they do so is something that I personally can't imagine because of how hands-on my experience with music has been. I can't particularly speak to how it would be done with brass because that that is a challenge. But my sister is currently learning the violin virtually, Mm -hmm. and a lot of it falls on the parents. So, like, the parent is always there during the lesson, and they're kind of the vehicle for the instructor to, like, show the parent, this is how I want your kid to do it. And then a parent will then impart that knowledge to the child who they're obviously there with in person. And then another aspect is that there's a heavier emphasis on learning music theory rather than like actual like music, like playing. And I think that's also a shift that might happen in schools just to give them some sort of like music exposure, even if they can't play. Yeah. So... I want to move on from music, and I'd also like to bring up just the general education of students, because a lot of, I I think that a lot of the classroom learning will be similar, but I think a lot of the social learning will be heavily impacted, because if you're in the room with the same group of people, it's, you know, obviously you're developing meaningful friendships with them. But at the same time, what happens to, especially for the older kids, to your friends from last year who may not be in your class, or your friends who you've known since kindergarten? Like, how do you think that socially children as young as elementary schoolers will respond to the plan that I described earlier? I think it's going to be very challenging, especially when societies are to become super dependent on technology and communication, especially verbally and in person, is a dying art. And school is really the mm-hmm. only place where you're able to communicate with other students or the people, with teachers and peers. And not having that chance 
really is going to set uh, their generation and our generation back. It's going to be more technology based. It's everything's virtual now. And I think if children don't learn it at a young age, I think it's going to be detrimental to them in the future when you're dealing with bosses and you have to, you know, articulate your ideas to other people. I think it's going to be very challenging. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so one of the most important parts of social communication at a young age in elementary school is recess. And am I right in saying they're, they're not going to have like the traditional outside recess. It's going to be like in the classroom. That much I was not able to find. They didn't really make a reference to recess. If you give me two seconds to look at their plan. Yeah, sure. Um, because that's like such an important part of the elementary school experience, you know, making friendships on the playground, playing games like Foursquare and kickball and, and whatnot. And so if they were to miss out on that, or at least we know that they're not going to be able to have that experience at least half the time because half the time they'll be at home. And so that's that's going to be pr- pretty challenging for them. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the plan right now, and it does allot them a 30 minute recess. And I'm not quite certain whether or not that will be inside or outside, but I would assume outside, being that the more you can be outside, obviously it's a bit safer than having kids play inside, especially being that recess is usually an outlet for all of that. But then Child does, energy. does that does that not raise concerns of, oh, are kids going to follow all the safety guidelines? Are they going to really have their masks on and right. like maintain the yeah. six feet all the time when they're like running around playing tag or whatever? Yeah. And to quote the... I think that's where the, the bo- teachers are going to have to come in and then force them. Right. But to clarify okay. a bit of what the plan is, to quote from the reopening blueprint, Quote, principals will develop recess plans with cohorts in mind to minimize exposure from playground equipment, end quote. And at least in my eyes, that implies that it is going to be outside. Because if you're touching the playground equipment, I don't think that's in the gymnasium. Yeah. Well, they said they minimize contact with playground equipment. Mm Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. You know, probably going to be. Like just kickball games or something, because yeah. no way they're letting ball sports be done. Yeah, interesting. One other concern that is that I have with this system is, you know, at this young age, what are kids going to do whose parents have to work full time and don't have access to like a nanny or a babysitter? Who's going to take care of them during that B week, the off week when they're at home distance learning? You know, that is a great question. I personally don't have the answer. I've pondered that myself many times. And I think it's definitely something that the town of West Hartford should be looking into if they have already not found a solution. Yeah, actually, I I believe you guys received this too, but I was sent an email made within the last week or so. The babysitter? About babysitting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. obviously the school, assuming COVID is kept under control they're willing to advertise babysitting so there Mm -hmm. is that opportunity especially for high schoolers who are more reasonably minded and can stay safe you know maybe the kids go inside and you just happen to go and use the bathroom only when you need it stuff like that right it is definitely a challenge though 
Yeah. But during the weeks that kids are in school, usually there are before or after care options. Like at my elementary school and Ethan's elementary school, Braeburn, there was the Wii program. Yeah. And mm -hmm. those programs aren't run by the school. So I'm not certain if they would accept kids for longer hours when they're on their B week, let's say. Right. But, you know, they're working alongside the schools, but they aren't run by the schools. So I wonder if they're going to be a bit more lax with COVID restrictions. Because obviously, mm -hmm. even though they are functioning within school grounds and using school mm -hmm. institutions, they are their own entity. Right. You know, if they're still like functioning and going to be know up and running this year or yeah i believe they are okay but still it raises the concern of if you have an influx of kids are they going to be able to handle that given you know their resources and and the space mm -hmm. that they have and also yeah. they're not free right they're you know, like you have to pay to um i i don't know i mean i wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of fee but my memories of it are purely from an experiential point. Right. Because obviously, because I was in it as a kid, I mean. Mm -hmm. Well, even like right. if you go to, yeah. if you hire a babysitter, you still have to pay money. And for parents who are working and struggling, and obviously this is a difficult time economically for a lot of people, to have to pay someone to watch their kids on top of everything they have to deal with, I mean, it's, it's difficult. And they're obviously sacrificing some of their child's education because a lot of wealthy families maybe they have a, a parent that who can work from home and they can oversee their child's education they can guide them through homework and lessons and oh how to get on to your google meets and stuff like that um, but for parents who who really have to work to to make enough money to support their families um there is that issue of will my child be left behind and, and fall behind other families absolutely it's a Mm -hmm. a huge concern and yeah yeah COVID-19 is exacerbated it's, it's just demonstrating how like how many problems there are like in America it's being like a waypoint in which you can demonstrate to everyone issues that were already there because like child care in America is something that has always not been the greatest and most accessible yeah and COVID-19 is just demonstrating that on a lot larger scale like child care for many is school mm -hmm. so school just disappearing entirely is putting a lot of stress also schools themselves like now a lot of people are talking about like how old some of these schools are do they have updated ventilation systems that can support bringing students back to school safely and they're not just pumping recycled air which could just further the spread yeah and also like wi-fi access Wi-Fi access for students who have to do for more on their B week, are they going to be able to interact with the teachers at the same level as other students? And those are questions that really need to be answered if you want to go forth uh, with any sort of education plan. Absolutely. And not, to, and not to digress, I just found the Wii website and there is a tuition. So mm -hmm. your concern of it being basically the same issue as having a babysitter is valid. Mm-hmm. So I think we've talked plenty about elementary school. So how about we move on to middle and high school? Because I know that they're basically, or almost identical, just with a few subtle differences, so. 
specifically with high school, um, as with elementary school, there's going to be one group uh, in school and one group at home or with online learning virtually. And specifically for high school, there's going to be, it's going to be split up into block scheduling. So A, B days, which means you have periods one through four on your A day and on your B day, it's five through eight. So your class periods are longer, but you have less classes specifically each day. Um, other schools have implemented this into the system prior to COVID, but Conard, if we're talking about Conard, um, they have not. So this is going to be a new change for us. All right. And I'll just quickly go over what middle school is doing. It's mostly the same, but a lot neater because middle school has a lot um, many fewer electives than high schoolers, so students largely take the same classes. But you're going to also have the in-school uh, group one and then out-of-school hybrid remote learning. Learning lab and advisory are still on, but lunch is going to be grab-and-go. I think it's the same for high school, but I just wanted to mention yeah. that. And then physical education, they're restructuring it so it's completely outside. So am I right in saying... Um, for high school and middle school, or high school specifically, it's going to be like group A would have learning from 7.30 to, I don't know, I think it's like 12 o'clock or something? Uh, 11.25 yeah. and then a 30-minute lunch, yeah. Okay, and then the group two at home would have the online learning from, from 12 to 2 or whatever when they get out, right? Yeah, yep. So does that, will there be an issue of, not moving through course material fast enough because especially for group two when you have only what 30 minutes a period to get through the material there is the issue of students not being able to move on or move fast enough and for teachers to not be able to get through the amount of information that they need to absolutely i think that's a huge concern especially with ap classes as yeah you know, historically, they've had more coursework to get through in a shorter amount of time. And yeah. specifically from last year, when COVID hit, luckily, we'd gotten through the bulk of our material that we needed to learn. But I had a very hard time with learning virtually, uh, specifically. And I think if I had to learn an AP completely virtually with minimal uh, you know, human interaction, teacher, student interaction, I'm going to find it very difficult. Yeah, I mean, just think about like, let's take AP Chem, right? That's a very difficult course in, yeah. in our catalog. And so mm -hmm. to be learning AP Chem only, what, three days a week, right? And then yeah. sometimes on the second week, you only have like half an hour periods. I mean, there's yeah. so much content they get through in that, especially like the first quarter or first semester. Um, I just don't see how they're going to be able to do it, honestly. And not to and not to mention the fact that labs are going to be compromised because a lot of oh learning, yeah, what's what's happening with labs? Yeah, if you guys uh, so are they're. Aware. I've specifically heard that they're setting aside like community blocks for science labs and other sort of gatherings. <laughs> I don't know how many times they're doing this. A week or if it is a weekly thing i'm not entirely sure but it was it was what they said in the, in the blueprint so that's all i know is that like an in-person thing yeah that'll be in person huh. and just to clarify 
I remember earlier the high school schedule was like three weeks. You would have like one and a half and one and a half. It's now one and one for on and okay. off, right? Right, yeah. And that, that brings me to another point. It's more of a concern. I don't necessarily agree with the decision to do a hybrid week um, per se that the week off is online learning. What I personally think they should do is instead of setting another time for, you know, a quick 30 minute like tutorial or review session um, for the students online, what I think they should do is invest money in cameras or recording equipment and videotape the class sessions or yeah. even live broadcast it. So the students at home can, you know, listen to the in-class debate because in-class debates are so valuable. And I think they'll gain a lot more from that than just, you know, a quick 30 minute online session. But that is what I personally think. Yeah, I mean, my my dad and I were talking about this. If you opt out of in-person learning and so you go full remote, when, like, I don't understand how teachers are going to be able to offer the same classroom experience as they do with the kids in school or like, when will they even be teaching these kids? Will it be during the afternoon sessions or, you know, like, how is that going to work? I'm not sure. What I've heard, though, is that the teachers teaching the complete online uh, kids will not be teaching. There will they'll be there'll be select teachers for that, probably older teachers who feel mm -hmm. insecure, you know, coming back to school. And so they're they're in a totally separate category. Got it. But then obviously there's not going to be as wide range of classes available. Um, Absolutely. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to divide like, oh, AP class, honors, standard. They might have to like combine yeah. some or, or get rid of some options. So it's it's definitely challenging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I doubt they're going to hold courses like AP Spanish literature even. Yeah. Because... It, at the current rate, if we do have to end up combining, usually that's a one-class course. So, yeah. you know, do you sacrifice that so that the teacher can obviously exactly. do other like, things and hit the majority, or do you well, the, allow them to just... The good thing is that, um, as per the survey they sent out a couple months ago, it seems that 75% of families are planning to go back um, to, like, in-person learning, but right. then I think it was like 8% are, are online only and then 16% are unsure. But then, mm. you know, yes, you cater to the majority, but what about that 8%? Like may, a lot of those people, maybe they like have health issues that they physically are not able to go back to school. Um, right. So what happens to their education? You know, I don't know. They're just because they don't want to go back to school puts them at a disadvantage Right. And the access to the same education is going to become limited. And I think that is something that needs to be very considered and thought over. I don't know. And another question I have is how are they splitting up the A and B or group one and group two, as they refer to it on the plan? Uh, a through I had, A, I, it's last names. Yeah, okay. A through K. Yeah, that's what I had heard. Group one. I don't know the other group, but yeah. 
I would have preferred it if it was random, honestly. It should have been random. Wait, so yeah. Ben, or Ethan, Ben, and I... Ethan, you're in, like, the group one, right? Group A? I think I'm in group two. Are you? M? Yeah, yeah, yeah M's M, group two. So. Okay. A through I think K. it's A. Yeah. All right, so Ben and I will be together, and then you two. Yeah, it's... I... I, <laughs> I don't know. Also, I, how are they going to, like... How are they doing the class like rosters are they just doing that randomly or because i i figured they were trying to put people together that are at the same level right yeah i thought yeah, that's yeah. True. smart but no just i'm not sure i mean in theory i feel that you could do that more easily if you were to just randomly assign to groups because I, don't know, I think they should have done it based off sort of where you're at. Like the kids who are taking for specifically us in our class, seniors, you know, AP physics, one and two, AP lit, all the AP kids are grouped together and maybe some of the honors kids. And then, you know, the other kids who are taking some honors and standard kids or classes, they're sort of grouped together because those are the those are the peers you're interacting with. Those are the kids you have most of your classes with. And if you split them up like that, I mean, sure it's great for diversity and among education, but I mean, we're really not interacting that much as well. But I think it's detrimental to the kids who who want to learn have those great class discussions. I don't know. Yeah, but I think I, I beg differ actually, and. Sorry, whoever I'm interrupting. I just want to make one point, Jet. I don't think you realize just how few kids relative to the actual population of Connard are taking AP classes because the herd is thinned and thinned every year. Like The difference between the amount of sophomores who took AP Bio versus the amount of juniors who took AP Chem, it's a significant drop-off. So you're basically mm -hmm. saying this group who's, let's let's be liberal and assume it's 25%. 25% of kids get to be prioritized in week one while the rest of the 75 are just put on the back burner. And right, right. Not, I, I didn't understand it was quality. that polarized. That's my bad. I, I, I mean, I don't know the specific data, but like I see the same 20 people in half my AP classes. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Like, you know, like, I'd I mean, assume... Like Less kids take certain AP classes, like I said, drop from AP Bio to AP Chem, but like, for example, like you and I, Ben, took AP Euro, but there's an extremely, like, wider amount of students, there's a larger amount of students who took AP US History, so it does widen year to year in some classes. And like, right. kids that took AP US History, a lot of them are also taking AP Econ, I don't know the exact numbers, but like, there's at least right. like 60 kids taking There's AP at least Econ. a few sessions. Exactly, yeah. and same with AP Lang, there's four AP Lang teachers. And I think a bunch of people are taking uh, AP Lit as well. So the English is also popular. Yeah. At least in science, I know it's a consistent Science thing. does does, walk, does lower as you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but let's take physics, for example. That's a, at least, let's say physics one, two. That's a pretty small class size. I think it's only it's doing like two, one, two sessions, two right? Classes. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't yeah, it make sense so. to have those two classes on the same, like, and both of them being they, A, you know? You'd argue they need to be the most in-person, because 
they're the ones where that interaction will be most beneficial because of the density of the course material. Mm, that is true. There's a lot of sides. Same point. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine yeah. the counselors, <laughs> what they must be dealing with, having oh, to organize all this. Absolutely. And, and how are they going to handle getting our transcripts out? Exactly. Like, Seniors for college, it's going to be insane. No, they're, they're not going to have time to, like, advise us with that. With the college uh, process. No, yeah, no more junior seminar or whatever it was called. Junior planning, yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you. But at the same time, I worry that they won't be able, like, even though they're obviously not able to give us their tutelage, I think that there are issues with how they're going to get our transcripts out and how they're going to weigh the GPAs, how they're going to unweigh the GPAs, and how they're going to account like graduation requirements and stuff like that. I don't because... think it's going to be that sure. messed up because, number one, everything's electronic. They can do it from home. They can do it from school. And they can all access our transcripts electronically. The only issue would be getting, you know, college letters of recommendation from your teacher to the Well, um, they do that digitally counselors. as it is. They do? They do okay. that digitally. Yeah. On yeah. the Common App, there's like a consent form you give to a digital corporation where teachers submit it. Interesting. From what I remember when I, I did that recently. Yeah. I mean, right. I, I'm not super concerned about the, like, transcripts and everything. I think yeah. they'll be fine, but it's it's just the problem of them being overworked. Like, normally they're they're already overworked. We don't have enough counselors. Yeah, exactly. And then now you put all of this on top of them, and they've got a lot of stuff on their plate that they have to deal yeah. with. Yeah, so, exactly. especially, especially assuming that each kid wants to apply to average five six seven colleges multiply oh, that by more than that yeah i mean there's some no. kids applying like 20 so <laughs> yeah yes excluding the outliers and less <laughs> even if it's that low of a number yeah i mean it's, it's a lot of work just, it's a ton yeah it, it has been made easier by the common app though because one application is all applications besides supplementals that has but at the same yeah, but at easier. the same time, most schools require at least one supplemental, and that's that's true. That is true. All right, so I want to talk briefly about some of the safety guidelines that are being put in place. So obviously, all kids are required to wear masks and protective equipment. Um, they say they'll try and achieve six feet um, social distancing. I don't know how possible that is, considering some of the sizes of our classrooms. Um, it's they're pretty small, and so a lot of times our desks are like right on top of each other. And so if you actually achieve that six feet of space, you're gonna have to sacrifice some desks. And they did say that class sizes will be smaller. So I don't know how that'll work out with the scheduling, but that is also something to consider. Um, they've said that for teachers, they'll have plexiglass shields and other protective equipment to make sure that they don't get exposed to the kids and to the virus, um, which is a lot easier for, I guess, high school, high school teachers because they're either sitting at their desk or they're teaching up front. But if you're an elementary teacher, and you have to be working, mm -hmm. you know, hands-on with these kids and and really watching over them. That becomes a challenge. Um, 
Yeah, the rowdiness. I know. And like Absolutely. And, and elementary schools, what do they know about hygiene and, you know, trying to contain themselves in one space? They're all over the place usually. Yeah, so, I mean, they're not going to listen to I doubt they're going to be like wearing their masks all the time. Like absolutely. I remember when I was at kindergarten, there there were kids like wiping their snot all over tables and stuff like that. Exactly. Um, Grotesque, not, but it's yeah. yeah, it's true. They're kindergarten. What are you going to do? Well, so you have to be, do something, and that's the issue. And yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. And then what happens when somebody gets infected? How are we gonna trace who they've been in contact with? And if there's enough infections, are they gonna close the schools? I don't know. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah. So all I, all schools are required to have this designate designated room. So where if you have symptoms, you go in that room, and then you they basically send you home. But then. Right. What happens to all the kids that you've been around in like your previous classes? Exactly. How do you, you know, like when you go to the doctor's office to get a test, they have you fill out this form of all the people you've been in contact with, and yeah, you don't know. Yeah, but like my entire high school, right? Like you can't, you can't trace that, and so exactly. Let's say one person gets it, and then everyone else is like, "Oh shoot! Like, do I have it now?" And, yeah. and then well, this mass they... panic occurs. Exactly. Yeah. Asymptomatic students. And, Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you can, like, we have the capacity to trace because do we, already. Do we think about do it? We? We're you able, go class we're able to class. You go four classes okay. in a day. Yeah, but the thing is, you're able to see on, like, we're able to see the the class schedules. Like, you're able to see who you've been in contact with. There are seating plans for most. Right, classes. but then they're going to quarantine the entire like four classes. You're let's say, say, let's say you go, you go through four classes a day. And we'll say there's like 20 kids in a class. So that's like 80 kids around that you've been in contact with. After quarantine with. now for two weeks. And then weeks they've been in contact test. with people too. Right. Exactly. And what also, if the hallway. symptoms don't show themselves until a couple of days after you get the virus, right? So exactly. then you have to go back three, four, five days. Right. The amount of, that's like, it's a it's lot. Impossible. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. A way, the best way I could see them doing this, and I don't know if this has been enacted, is sending a letter to parents and students saying you have been suspected of being in contact with someone who tested positive. Like, you know, please be wary of your condition. It's not and, please like, be wary to be, you have to quarantine. Like, well, if you're, if the you're... thing is, I doubt they're going to want to do that because at that Nobody point, wants to do that, Ben. Everyone's okay, been okay. In, I know, but the thing is, that's how they shut schools down again, which I believe will inevitably happen. Yeah. But if their goal is to keep schools open, having an entire shutdown just because one person was in contact with this person who was in this person and yada, 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 that exponential cycle, Yeah. I don't think they're going to want it to be that way, so... They're going then, to give out a message to like the most immediate people, in my opinion, saying and they're not prioritizing hey, health. They're prioritizing other things. Like I don't know, it gets into like a whole big yeah complex. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But like, is it students' health but, or education, or is it the teachers' right. union that they need to work, or all this? Like, right. But if they were to get sick, I believe I read that there's an there's a policy where you're able to opt your kid to be anonymous and who gets infected. So it, that would make it even harder. 
It would. That is, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> like a game of. Oh, who in class got the who got who got COVID today? You know. I'm sure people yeah. find out. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. But like, that's oh, yeah, still... especially in the older ages. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I it's, it's difficult. And then also, I want to touch on um, a couple more things for safety. So we'll have one-way staircases and um, bathrooms. They'll be cleaned twice a day by janitors, and they have they've already fit in these new modern ventilation systems to make sure that air is circulating properly. Um, but yeah, I just want to touch on the janitors, the amount of work that they have to do over these next couple months, like is insane. insane. Absolutely. Yeah. Constantly cleaning, checking, you know, sanitizing everything. How much PPE do they get? Pressure. Like, cause they're going to need like a lot of them. The school the budget. I hope they're being paid extra or something because I Absolutely. mean their their work already goes unrecognized. Noticed, yes. And like especially now, I hope that they're gonna at least get something and out of it. They're also essentially being thrust into like the roles of first responders in a sense. Yeah. Because the risk of exposure is as bad as if you are in a hot well not as bad as if you're in a it could be worse children yeah have a super high transmission or able to transmit the virus extremely high their their ability and janitors probably are not going to have the same personal protective equipment as a first responder in a hospital so therefore they're more exposed yeah if not the the same if not more exactly well, I would hope the schools would at least provide adequate protection for them. Yeah. Because they better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but there also becomes the issue of what happens with buses? I mean, a oh lot of God. parents can't get their kids to school in the morning, and the buses are something that, you know, are obviously yeah. points of interest. Because I personally take a bus because my mother is working in the morning. And my father's already left for work by the time that I can get myself ready. So, so here's a question: what? Are, are you planning on taking the bus? I am not. Uh huh. I thought not. So how are you going to get there? My mother is making an adaptation to her schedule that can allow, or yeah, she. I, I'm not quite certain exactly what's mm-hmm. happening, but you know, it's. See that- like a lot of great. moving parts. Right, but then there are the people who can't even change their schedule. Right, it's not everyone. Fast. There's a lot of people who don't have the luxury of being able to right to change their schedule so, around. And so, what do you do with those people? I don't know. I guess you're walking. <laughs> yes, yeah, so walk five miles to Conard High School. Of course. Yeah. It's uh, very here, tricky. I'm I'm currently looking at the transportation plan, and it seems like they've. Yeah, the Department of Health or the state basically has three like statuses for buses, and one is safe status, no restrictions. One is low status, like you can operate, but with masking and loading and uplo- and unloading restrictions. Then there's moderate, which is the high end, which says that there's seating and spacing restrictions, mask requirements, as well as the loading and unloading restrictions. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't see how they're ever going to 
make it safe status. I, I, there's, I, there's, I wouldn't be... Hold up, there's buses that don't require you to wear a mask? No, that's just the grading system of, like, okay. whether or not... Yeah, yeah. I mean, but until I, we get a vaccine, we're not ever going to be in safe. Right now, we're in low status, which is still good, or yeah. not as bad, I guess. Um, uh -huh. yeah. And under moderate transmission risk, they would be having the passenger density, which in turn would require twice as many buses, which poses another issue, right. especially being that... We're low on funds. Mm -hmm. And then who's going to clean the buses? Yeah, like, but family men... Like, family members would be spaced together, obviously. And they would load back to front. But still, you guys are right. The janitorial issues become everything. And, like, we, we know kids, like, they're not going to obey, like, the bus spacing. Of course not. Laws. They're like, like, nobody can see me. Yeah. I mean, we all know yeah. there's, like, kids who just sit in the back and jewel, like... Exactly. And what about the bus drivers? Like, you think they want to be put in that situation with circulated air? Right, I know. Windows those, open, but the not ventilation in those things are awful, by the way. Yes, so. And it's not like they can call a security officer on the bus, because that's kind of against the point. Exactly. It's going to be very hard to enforce. I honestly think at the end of the day, we're going to have to live it, because there's no rule book, there's no playbook that we're following. I mean, this is all, you know, it's, unplanned. It's a new, it's dynamic. Yep. But I do think that we are going to have one person get infected and there's going to be a kind of fervor that goes around the town leading to a second shutdown. So sure. Sure. I mean I mean we don't we don't want that, obviously. Of course. Hope for the best. No. But yep. if we That's were nice. to make a bet right now. How long do you think we're going to last before shutting down? No more than a month, and that's playing it like a, if the school handles it really poorly, but I'd say give it a week and a half. <laughs> well, no optimistic faith. as always. <laughs> no faith, uh, and with that, this has uh, been a great episode, and I think we should conclude it here. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, thank you, everyone. We'll be thank back. You. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Another one shortly. Take care.